On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we will be watching Sky Atlantic in Italiano with HBO's first foreign language drama. We'll be catching up with Uhtred of Bebenburg on Netflix as The Last Kingdom relocates its kingdom from BBC Two and rolling out the giggles with an unspeakably bleak Irish drama about bereavement, murder and an original drama from Channel 5, which is nowhere near as bad as that combination sounds. Do not adjust your podcast equipment. We are controlling transmission. We control the horizontal, we will control the vertical, and for the next hour, sit quietly, we will control all that you see and hear. You are about to experience the awe and mystery that reaches from the inner mind to the Pilot TV podcast. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to our twisted televisual reality for another episode. Joining me on the Pilot sofa this week are, as usual, two stalwart companions. Boyd, sadly, could not be with us today. So instead, we have with us Boyd's evil twin, Floyd Hilton. He's like Hans Remore, only sort of balder and with a bigger box set collection. How are you, Floyd? <laughs> I'm good. You know, Boyd and Floyd was a thing once upon a time when I used to sit in for Mark Kermode on a Radio 5 Live show. Yeah. I did it with Nigel with Floyd. Your, with your, your evil twin. Literally, the only reason we, we were picked to do it was because our names rhymed. That's an so, excellent yeah. reason and to do it. And we do when we watch some films. Well, Yeah. Joining Floyd and myself is a woman who needs no evil twin, as she's quite nefarious enough all by her lonesome. It is Terry the Terrible White. Hello, Terry. Hi. Uh, you good? I'm all right. Good, 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 good. Should we jump straight into what we're watching this week? Yes. What are we watching this week? I am doing a reverse ferret on the first. So, What's a reverse ferret? You know where you've where you revert where you do a one eighty. You change your mind basically. What? You back hang out. Hang on, hang on. I love the way you say that. Like it's a well known phrase that I'm a complete you know reverse thing. ferret. Ferret? Why a ferret? It's a private like eye phrase. It's like a private eye phrase. Oh. I think they so these yeah. I, oh. I, is this just one of these things that you bandy around with your celebrity friends? Yeah. Classic Boyd. <laughs> Classic me. Classic Boyd. It's what we talk about, you know, the private eye uh, summer drinks with uh, the other little bald man. Unbelievable. Is Unbelievable the, attack. The other little bald man. Um, <laughs> do you mean like the editor of Private Eye? Yeah. From <laughs> Amazing. Um, I've never had summer drinks with anyone at Private Eye. It's just a phrase that's used. Anyway, right. what I'm saying is I am watching the first... And I did give it a mere three-star review in Pilot TV, which is, is in, in my world means, you know, it's fairly harsh. <laughs> so then I went, I've got, I've gone back and I watched it because I am interested in the storyline and it is beautifully done and everyone in it's great. My, I still feel it's a bit, my, my issue with it is a bit too self-consciously serious about everything. So there isn't much room for humour. And I generally feel like if there's not humour in a show, in, in, even in a big weighty drama, there's something wrong with it. But I'm over that. I'm still gripped by it. So... Um, I'm kind of, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of re reversing my opinion on that show. And Terry and I did an event with Natasha McAlhone this week and she was lovely. A second take on the first, if you will. A second take on the first, thank you very much, yes. Thanks. So I'm enjoying that a lot. And, oh, I finished The Sinner, season two, and it, oh my God, it's effing brilliant. Really? Yeah. Very good, yes, I'm looking yeah. forward to watching The Sinner. Yeah, I will get, get to it. Carrie Coon, I, I mean, I've, I've gone on about already, mm, but she amazing. is the greatest she's person amazing. in TV acting. Less acting. good, Less good in Infinity War, I would say, than elsewhere. Probably, As Proxima yeah, Midnight, which, as we all know, is Latin for quarter to twelve. <laughs> yeah, but, I think you know, it was the role rather than her. Yeah, yeah, and the, the dodgy CGI. Yeah. But still, Terry, what are you watching? I started this week The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, I, again, it's another one I need to watch. Yeah, you see, this catapulted to the top of my list after I realised I said I'm going to start it tomorrow, like, 12 times. Uh, genuinely terrifying. I, I, My problem with a lot of horror, both in terms of telly and film, is that it's not genuinely scary. Um, and this year in film, um, it was... What changed my mind? 
Oh, um, uh, hereditary. Hereditary. Yes. Hereditary. <laughs> Genuinely, I watched it with uh, a uh, writer from Empire and it was just us two in the cinema and I almost had to sit in his lap halfway through. It was genuinely terrifying. Um, and I feel like part of this horror renaissance we're seeing across both film and telly is because people are kind of remembering that horror has to be scary because I think it was always like horror has to be clever and sometimes clever came at the expense of scary. Yes. Ah, so now you realise when my piss, chips were pissed on, when I when I loved Haunting of Hill House in a previous episode yeah. of this podcast that you weren't on, yeah. how annoyed I was yeah. because it is brilliant. We need to Absolute. call Julia back onto the podcast. Julia Rayside. Right give her a dressing Julia. down. She's great, but she's wrong about The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, how it's way. But let, let's move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have I been watching? I finished... House of Cards. I, my oh, House of Cards well is complete. Oh, all of it. All of it. It is done. And, and I will say to everyone who is still working through the final season and is thinking of giving up, you absolutely should. It's fucking rubbish. <laughs> really? I, was, I couldn't stand it. I was oh my God. offended by the end of it. I just honestly, offended. I really... I didn't enjoy it at all. And there are so many, there are so many problems with the way it ends. And I just, yeah... I didn't didn't like it at all. I just felt again it just it started very strongly that final season, and she's so good, and it's and I'm not going to say I think a lot of criticism she's had for she's not likable, and I hate that because I do think that is a term that isn't applied to men, and it's just because she's a woman. What I will say is she maybe lacks some of the warmth that Kevin Spacey before he was so problematic maybe brought to that you know to his role as President Underwood, but ultimately they're both you know detestable human beings, and that's not the crux of the show but it becomes like the previous recent episodes just more and more ridiculous more and more unbelievable just absolutely gonzo nonsense by the end of it and honestly about three episodes from the end I just switched off and I just didn't care and the interesting setup which you get with Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane that again seems to be wasted and those characters sort of fade into the background as the season goes on as well so my my advice to anyone in fact I've given this advice quite liberally if you're pursuing if you're persisting with House of Cards would be to frankly just knock the whole stack down now and that be is, that's very interesting right because we reviewed this across Pilot and Empire mm. and we gave it three stars mm. and I questioned it because I knew a few people who'd seen it um, who actually really liked it but the general consensus does seem to be rather underwhelmed mm. So I'm I'm gonna actually skip it now yeah, based do. on your recommendation. I've realised that, that the function of you on this podcast is telling us not what not to watch. Mm, Boyd yeah. and I go watch this. You go yeah. don't watch this. So yeah. the love of yeah. God, do not waste yeah. your time on this. I am going to ignore you though, James, and still carry on watching it though. How many I, episodes I are you in left. though, Boyd? Uh, I've done I've done four. And are so, you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm enjoying it enough to carry on. Oh, the dis- oh classic the disappointment still to go. Yeah. Classic boy. <laughs> Boyd, my glass is so half full, I can't yeah. even yeah. tell you. Can I have a go at me for being, you know, There's positive. bubbles in it, and therefore it's kind of full, actually. Because the bubbles, you bubbles. know, it, bubbles may be air, but technically my glass is pretty much full. The thing with something like this, though, is like... I was right about the haunting of Hill House. Uh, well, yes, you were. Thank you. Uh, the thing with this is like there are there's like seventy odd whatever it is episodes of this, so it's not just oh this season isn't very good. Is this season sort of crowns the achievement that Netflix have of having wasted seventy plus hours of my life, <laughs> and frankly, I want them back. You know, I feel but robbed of that time. But there's only what ten hours of this season though. So no, if I'm but still, I mean, it's four. ten hours. Uh, yeah. What could I do in ten hours? Well, let's not get well, into that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could do something probably ninety three times. I, mean, I could have rewatched a significant amount of, of Star Trek Voyager in that time. Is all I'm saying, and I never got that opportunity. So. 
Fair well, that's, that's what we're watching. Uh, but what's happening in the wider world? Should we talk news? Yes. I've got a few quick ones I can rattle off. Oh, go on then. Uh, Bosch is renewed for season six at Amazon Prime. Oh, that is nice. good news. Not exactly surprising, but I enjoy that show with Titus Welliver. Uh, I think that's really good. So that's good news for me. USA are rebooting Temptation Island for 2019. Boyd, you should be excited about Incredible. that. Incredible. Okay. <laughs> and Terry, the CW's Charmed reboot has received a full season order. You see, I'm still not convinced. No. There was also a, the BBC released a first clip from the impending new season of Luther, which was basically <laughs> Luther getting tortured by uh, Patrick Malahide, uh, who plays George uh, Cornelius, uh, and who, no matter what else he ever does with his career, I will always see as D.S. Chisholm from Minder. Daily. Hello, Arthur. Yeah, so that was quite fun. I'm very excited about Luther returning in the new year. New year. That's uh, that's good stuff. And and more important than any of that, we got a month <laughs> a for month. Game of Thrones. Yes, Game of Thrones. The final season will return in April 2019. And they put out a trailer, which I consider to be more of a recap than a trailer, considering there was nothing new in it. Yeah, it was that's a summary accurate. of where we are. Yeah. in a minute, a state of which the is union. fair enough. Mm. But people got very excited about it, and it's not a trailer. No. It's just a thing. And also, any real fan worth their salt will not watch that. They will rewatch every single episode in the run-up, as I did. Of course. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have but to. no, it's exciting. And there was no other f- one other fact, which was that one of the directors said that every episode will be longer than 60 minutes. So even there's only six episodes, but they'll mm. all be, you know, getting on for feature Coming length. Coming on for feature length. Yeah. That is so that's pretty exciting. exciting news. There was also some Mandalorian news. Oh, yeah. Pedro Pascal, the Red Viper himself, Oberyn Martell, will be the titular Mandalorian. Uh, also, former MMA star Gina Carano is joining the cast as well. Big so fan of, uh, of Pascal. That's good. So am I. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. He was in um, uh, Equalizer 2. Mm. He was in Equalizer okay. 2 this yeah. year, which wasn't good, but never mind. Was good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the only person ever to mention Equalizer 2 yeah. Yeah. in any in context. Any. Uh, but yes, he was in Narcos 2. He's in Kingsman 2. He's in a bunch of stuff, but he's, uh, he's, yeah. he's good people. Yeah, he's he, probably the only good thing about Kingsman 2 as well. Oh, you didn't like the tracker in the vagina? That didn't Not work for, me. for you? No, it didn't work mm. for me. No. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't think it worked for anyone. Less said about that, the better. Uh, Lee Charles has been chatting about Jack Reacher. As well. Oh, Have yeah, that's, so that's... Mm. They're ditching the film They are ditching series. film, and they're ditching Tom Cruise. And they're ditching Tom Cruise because mm. he's not tall enough, yeah. allegedly. It's, it's funny, though, because I spoke to Lee Child about this when he first... Oh, when the first, such a name. My type. close personal friend, Lee Child. Look, I'm not saying he wrote me into the affair, but if you look it up, General James Dyer plays a small but crucial part in that book. Oh, I'm very jealous. Is all that. I'm saying. And I'm not saying that he, for example, signed his copy of that book for the general and gave it to me. But Incredible. Has yeah. Chris Hewitt had his name mentioned? No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. He's a huge Lee Child fan, isn't he? I got him into Lee Child, though. Did Let's you? not forget oh, that. Okay. Yes. I, Kudos to why you. Why do you say that with a point of pride? Because <laughs> Jack Reacher is God and you know oh, it. Oh, God. I, I do love a Jack Reacher, so... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Let's say nothing against Jack Reacher. Uh, but yes, Lee Child has been talking about the fact that they are not pursuing any more films for Jack Reacher. In fact, they are shopping it around and they're going to take it to Netflix or somewhere similar, probably a streaming service, and they're going to have a completely new actor who's going to be very tall and imposing because he thinks Reacher's physicality is necessary. He thinks that now. Obviously, didn't when Cruz was cast, but now, yeah, physicality is necessary. Yeah, I think so. that makes sense. it just makes sense for it to be a TV thing, though, to yes, me, rather I than think a so. series of films. But also, it's 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 almost formulaic in the same way that like Kung Fu or whatever it is. It's a it's a man wandering America, getting yeah. weekly adventures. So Absolutely, yeah, it yeah. does lend itself to that. I yeah, think. I really like the first film though. I thought it was really good. Second, yeah, second film I found very disappointing. The first one I did like though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like that. But they they are you can totally see 
both from a production, a scale, scope, narrative perspective, why it would belong mm. on TV. Yeah, totally. And I think we're mm. going to see more of this. I think we're going to see kind of those mid-level films, which are kind of, you know, okay to see in the cinema, but there's no desperate need to see them in a truly grand cinematic yeah. sense going to TV. Well, Jack oh, Ryan... Which is episodic, right? Yeah, yeah. But that is an episodic story Completely. in its yeah. nature. And you can imagine this, like, they do presumably one book slash story per season. So it's not going to be like a book and episode. That yeah. would be mental. No, that would be uh, But, you know, I, I, no, I can see this working. I, but it all comes down to casting. Yeah. And that's a really difficult thing. Like, we Who have would talked, you like to see, James? God, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. I mean, weirdly, and I wouldn't for a number of reasons, but from a physicality point of view, you want someone with kind of like the mass of a Liev Shriver. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah, um, I saw, yeah. I saw yeah. someone suggesting Liev Shriver. I think it's quite a good call. Or um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Manganiello. What's his name? Oh, yeah, Joe. Joe Manganiello, yeah. yes. Like someone like that. I mean, he's not right either, but you want someone who has the height. Because Lee Child uh, summed this up very well. He said, Reach is the kind of person where when he walks into a room, everyone feels a bit uneasy because mm. his physical presence is overwhelming and I think that's you know that is integral to the character because he's not supposed to be particularly handsome you know yeah, and yeah. that is just he's just a big guy yeah. who doesn't work out because it's all genetic apparently yeah a unit yeah exactly uh, so yeah bit of uh, Jack Reacher there what else have we had this um, week can I just say the most exciting casting news ever is that no that was mine oh alright then let's do it together Terry okay. tell me some casting news <laughs> I'll say the first name, you okay. say the second. Hugh. Grant. Oh, that's it, right? Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kidman. Kidman. Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman yes. together. Surely not. In a HBO miniseries called yes. The Undoing, yes. which I, which is David E. Kelly um, and Kidman teaming up again. And it, it the director is Suzanne Beer, who obviously has just done Bird Box for Netflix. Um, which is did, brilliant. Did Night Manager. And it sounds like he plays her husband, right, who's yeah. gone missing. Um, yes. I'm really excited that he's kind of throwing himself into the TV yeah. landscape, but there's no there's no news on. Presumably, this would be Sky Atlantic, and no no yeah. news about when that would come over here. No, but I think it'll be it'll be it'll be next. It'll be short yeah. almost immediately after it goes out on HBO. So I think yeah, it's it's incredibly exciting. Yeah, though that that match up Susan Beer. I love Susan Beer's stuff. I think she's brilliant. She did a great job on the Night Manager, of mm. course. Mm. It's just a dream, the whole dream. These, these big. Like limited series things, yeah. like Sharp Objects as well. These are the, some of the best things oh, yeah, out there absolutely. in any form. So it's, it's geek porn, this stuff. It's yeah. amazing. So the fact that Hugh Grant is involved in one as well, it's just... Can we, can we talk about David E. Kelly briefly? Yes. Who I love. Yes. Like, I genuinely believe that Boston Legal is a modern masterpiece. And <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. So, like, I, 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 We know you're not. It I, that's not why we're yeah. laughing. It's, it's the McBeal-verse. Like, I get... So, the McBeal-verse. So, we started with yes. Annie McBeal, which I can fully understand why a lot of people hated it and her. I loved it. Brilliant. But it's, but it did, it, it's great, and I really liked her in it. But the that slightly surreal, heightened, altered thing... The some people just element. did Exactly. And the dancing baby and all that... that didn't really gel with a lot of people. I really enjoyed that. However, what I loved most was when The Practice came along, which took the same universe but took it really fucking dark. Like, mm. it's really serious. There is no fun. There are no dancing babies, although there are crossover episodes. Uh, and The Practice was amazing, but took it to a very serious place. And then The pra Practice brought in uh, James Spader in the final season. And again, it in itself became much more lighthearted and much more humorous and then transitioned into Boston Legal, which is full-on madcap slapstick mm. genius. William Shatner's Denny Crane. Denny Crane. Uh, I mean, 
it's 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 extraordinary, like I, genuinely. And I think people forget, right, how, what a kind of revolutionary um, showrunner he was back then, before Absolutely. showrunners were a thing. Yeah. And if you think about Ally McBeal, which was ostensibly the story of a single woman trying yes. to make her way in the city, a law firm, trying to work out if she wanted kids, trying to work out how she really felt about marriage, yeah. reconciling her relationship with her parents and yeah. her friends, and and all of that fairly standard kind of thematic concerns. And as you say, there's a dancing baby, which obviously symbolises her fear of commitment and her ongoing relationship with her college boyfriend who when he dies she he's then a ghost for pretty much the remaining series yeah. I mean it definitely kind of towards the end I'm thinking particularly about the John Bon Jovi era <laughs> there were some questionable yeah. uh, narrative choices but there were I mean some of the fantasy scenes were just out and out nuts and the brilliant kind of that true ensemble cast really a lot of slapstick in there mm. with, the, with the character of Elaine and stuff like that Peter McNichol I loved yes. loved him the Barry White stuff he used yeah. to do in the mirror genius but the to- the, I love that kind of tonal mashup, which is they would go from weighty things like like our kind of biological clocks and commitment and all these things facing modern women, but then just have completely not so full out out there scenes. Yeah. Um, which and I just love that kind of tonal kind of. But I, I agree, a lot of people were like, "Why is what there the a fuck dancing, is this? Why is yeah. there a dancing baby?" I think we could and have she's all- irritating and. We could have all have done with less Vonda Shepherd. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. There was peak. There was definitely a peak Vonda period. At first, you're like, "Oh, she's kind of cool," and then in the end, it was like a kind of a music video that yeah. happened to have Callista Flockhart in yeah. it occasionally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, as much as I enjoyed that, I do think the practice was better, and I think Boston Legal is better than both. I, I, I genuinely think if you watch none of them except one, make it Boston Legal. Okay. Do you know David E. Best Shatner's ever done. De- oh. I- Steady. <laughs> David E. Kelly um, produced the show Mr. Mercedes. Have you ever seen Mr. Mercedes? No, it's the Stephen King adaptation, Stephen isn't King it? Adaptation. It's on my watch list. Stephen King adaptation, David E. Kelly produces. It stars Brendan Gleeson, Harry Tweddaway, Tweddaway even, and <laughs> Kelly Lynch. It's got And it's mm. on Amazon Prime, yeah. and it was on Stars Play in America, yeah. which isn't even Stars. There are two seasons of it, aren't Two there? seasons mm. of it. I've watched the first episode and it was really good, but then I haven't had time to catch up with it. But it's, I really, now I really feel I need to catch up with it because those credentials are astonishing. Yeah, no, he was. I think and it's it was, supposed to be good. Wasn't it problematic when it launched? Because obviously, isn't the principle or the setup about a kind of a terrorist attack involving sort of vehicle versus pedestrians, which Something obviously like that, became yeah. rather topical around yes. the time it came out? So I think it. Yeah, yeah there's a, that it, was tricky. There's an unsolved case. In, yeah, some guy killed 16 people when he. Yeah, in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a car thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, maybe, so yeah. but yeah, that definitely worth watching. I will definitely watch that at mm. some point. Uh, also in news, George R. R. Martin, whose very name apparently is Gold, has another one of his properties heading towards the screen. Oh, yeah. So Wild Cards, uh, which he's edited and contributed to, which is a series of about twenty-seven books, I think. Uh, that is now getting a, 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 a two shows, I think, at Hulu. Any, is anyone familiar with Wild Cards? No. No. All right. Well, this is kind of a shared world thing, and it's like in in the 1940s, an alien virus is kind of released over Manhattan, uh, and it spreads across the unsuspecting Earth, and everyone gets infected by it. Of the people infected, 90% die horribly, drawing the Black Queen, which is the wild card here. Oh. Uh, I think it's like 9% were turned into jokers, so like supervillain type things, while a lucky 1% become blessed with extraordinary superpowers. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's like a comic book hero typey setup. Okay. Um, and that's going to get a series. And because it's George R.R. R. Martin, people will watch it. So that's good. Which, who's, who's that for? It's Hulu. Oh, okay, Hulu, yeah. It's Hulu yeah, in the States. I mean, God knows when or if it will come over here. So we will see. Any more for any more? No. 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 <laughs> okay, fine. Let's have some reviews. Um, before we leave you to the rest of your Monday, it is 
time to look at what is out this week. Here are a triumvirate of programmes, uh, beginning with the continuing adventures of Uthrid of Beben Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love his accent. In The Last Kingdom, this is, of course, BBC Two's Viking drama, which is now Netflix's Viking drama, having upsticks to the streaming service as of this year. Uh, this is the third series of the show. Uh, this is this is often written off as sub-Game of Thrones, which I think is entirely fair, since we all know Britannia is sub-Game of Thrones and this is sub-Vikings. So, uh, no, that's, that's, that's harsh and unfair. Vikings is sub-Vikings because it got shit quite a while ago. This is actually pretty good. So this is very similar. It shows a lot of DNA with the History Channel's Viking show. It's, um, it kind of it takes place in that same period. There's lots of flitting from Wessex to Mercia and sort of local Saxon kings and Danes coming and raping and pillaging people. But the reason I like this one so much is because Alexander Draymond, who plays Uhtred, uh, son of Ragnar, <laughs> Uh, apart from doing, you really like saying I, those I, I love his Danish like accent. I absolutely like yes, Lord. I just I love his Danish accent. It's also very close to your Hans Gruber. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Saxons and Messians, Saxons and Messians. No, no, he's he's just he's got this sort of almost insouciant kind of sort of insubordination about him, which is I think why he appeals to me personally. But uh, but yeah, he's loads of fun, and he has this great back and forth with Breda, who's kind of like his adopted sister in the early seasons, and then later on with the Saxon king Harold. And it's it's very violent. There's a lot of war and intrigue, but it's less kind of broad than Vikings. I think Vikings ultimately became a bit undone, not just when Travis Fimmel left, but before then, when it got a bit tied up in sort of Ragnar Lothbrok's historical narrative. Because they have to follow the history. It's a historical show. Come, it comes from Vikings history is channel. still going, though, isn't it? It is yeah, still yeah, going, yeah. but I stopped watching okay, it. Okay, oh, right. So it stopped uh, going for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It stopped going because I no longer watch Fine. it. But I think the good with this one, it's a tighter it's a tighter narrative, and that's, uh, that's partly because it's based on Bernard Cornwall's series of books, The Saxon Story. So it's, not, it's, it's tied to actual interesting, fun narratives and not, you know, history, which, as we all know, is boring. Uh, but this is really good, and so season three kicks off with uh, the continuing adventures of Uhtred. Uh, lots of stuff going on. There's witches, there's kidnappings, there's a, uh, a, a marauding Dane called Bloodhair, because uh, he smears horse blood in his hair. Obviously, uh, there's a really, really fun battle in it. I mean, it's great. It kind of it reminds you, I think, why we liked it so much in the first place. The first season, in particular, I thought was very tightly written and really interesting. Quite a simple premise, like a tale of revenge, which quite quickly broadened into a larger kind of political thing. And interestingly, Uhtred kind of fades into the background as almost a supporting character in a larger sort of you know uh, national chess game, which I really liked about it. And then the second season, I think, lost some of that, but we might be coming back to it for season three. So so this is good. I would I would heartily recommend anyone go back and watch the first two seasons if they haven't already. If this is on Netflix, I can only assume seasons one and two have also made their way to Netflix. It seems mental if they haven't. Um, Do you know what? I, I guess so, although I haven't double-checked that yet. Yeah. But they are, I they don't are, know for a fact, but yeah. I'm assuming so. But they are putting all ten episodes of this third season out in one go in Netflix style. So yeah, excellent. So truly... I think everyone should watch it and then they should come back and speak like Uhtred of Bebenbeer in the Danish accent. Yeah, Uh, I I I agree it's a good show. I I, I do think it's when it went on BBC Two, Mm. I felt they slightly 
did a disservice to it. It felt like they were embracing the whole, it's a bit like Game of Thrones. Yes, which was a mistake. Which was a mistake, because it isn't. And also, like, budget-wise, it clearly isn't. And no. I felt, and I just thought that frustrated. Whereas, actually, the writing, as you said, and, and the and the acting was, was good. Yeah. So I, I need to go back and watch it, yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good stuff. And it also, it's got Ian Hart in it as a priest called Father Bioka, which I was fairly certain was the thing you gave to people when they were feeling a little underweather, you know, with the tablets that yeah, you dissolve yeah, yeah. in the water. Isn't that Bioka? Yeah, it is. Or is it? Is that, is it? Or Barocca? Well, or something like that. It's whatever it is, it's that. So, much like that, dissolve one tablet of the Last Kingdom in water and it will make you feel better. Anyway, next up, we have a Channel 5 original drama. No, no, wait, wait, come back, come back, don't switch off. Come back, come back to us, come back to us. It's actually pretty good. This is Blood, written by Sophie Petzl, who, as it happens also wrote an episode of The Last Kingdom back in series two. There you go, a hot fact, tie all this stuff together. Uh, he, she is, however, more famous for young adult drama Wolfblood, which is werewolfy, I can only assume. I've never seen it. Uh, this time she's brought us a family mystery drama in which Carolina Maine's cat returns home for her mother's funeral and soon becomes suspicious of her father, played excellently by Line of Duty's Adrian Dunbar. What did we think of this one? Uh, I think it's great. Uh, so uh, it, there's very, lots of exciting things about this show. First yes. of all, the mere fact that, yes, Channel 5 <laughs> is airing over across five nights, an original quality drama mm. at nine o'clock yeah. is absolutely extraordinary. Um, yes, I guess it's counter-programming time of celebrity. So I guess they're going, well, you know, all the people who like reality TV mm. and that type of show are catered for, for for a week, for, you know, two or three weeks. So we're going to try and put this thing out, which is could not be more different. It's a quality um, psychological thriller. And I th- good on them. You know, I think it's re- yeah. a really exciting move. So I hope this is the start of something. I think Sophie Petzl is very, very talented. I, follow, I, I talk to her and follow her on Twitter. She's a kind of really witty, funny person in social media. And this show is a really, really tightly written, Isn't it? directed piece of drama. In, the, the immediate premise is, is, is gripping, mm. the idea that she's going back to, to see her family. She's the black sheep of the family. She is. She's moved away. Um, to her Dublin. T- she's Dublin. As you do. Her, uh, she, her two siblings are kind of slightly edgy already, and you're not quite sure why. And they get they establish the fact, this is the premise, they establish the fact that she thinks her dad killed yeah, her mother basically. within about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So no messing about. And, um, it's, and, and then the kind of tentacles of the story expand very cleverly. So by the end of epi- the feature length first episode, mm. which effectively is two episodes stitched together um the brother his kind of secrets start spilling out as well and everyone has stuff they're not dealing with it ends on quite the cliffhanger as well yeah Mm -hmm. so i think it's really effective and i'm i'm i I I was really impressed with it i think it's a really really good piece of proper and and it's very well shot and i I thought it was great i was very surprised um because uh because it's channel five because it's channel (laughs) and that's that's awful right um and it's actually a premise that's kind of right up my street but i was surprised i was surprised at how well it was executed as you say there's not much uh uh mystery there's a little bit of they're quite overt about what's happening it's not you know when we've got these bbc dramas like uh seemingly deliberately fucking with your brain to the extent that you don't know which way is up and which way is down. This is yeah. fairly simple, but I, it was really compelling. And do you think this is like a sign of things to come for Channel 5? Yeah, I think Boyd? so. I do, because they've got rid of Big Brother. So they've yeah. axed, you know, dozens and dozens of hours of programming every year. And I think it is a move to um, to, to, to step up. Yeah, I think they're aware. I think they've done a brilliant <laughs> job of Channel 5 of 
A, making it profitable and kind of getting rid of their really terrible stuff. They, you know, they did a lot of property, pro- poverty pool, not property pool, poverty pool and stuff that I think they're slowly kind of weeding out. And, and I think so that, I think they know there's room for good stuff. And what I say, always say, think about Channel 5 is it's one of the, you know, literally the five main channels yeah. that have been available for decades. And they haven't, have never had one, one truly memorable scripted show. So and that is astonishing. So I think well, now they, they have they are yeah. addressing that fact. Well, can you and can you remember? Was it earlier this year or it was last year? That incredible rape documentary they yeah. did. That um, I think was up for loads of awards, yeah. and it was genuinely. I was sent the screener before it, and I was kind of already horrified about what I was presuming they were going to do from a kind of an exploitation point of work, and whether they're going to employ sensitivity in the storytelling. But it's actually one of the most compelling mm. documentaries I've ever seen on sexual assault and rape, yeah. and I think they're probably doing these quite high profile moments to really shift people's perceptions of what they can do absolutely yeah and and in a way they kind of they they have a lot of eye-catching factual shows that often have very um kind of cheeky titles but actually some of them are really good so it's like almost like they, they don't give a shit whether we whether we feel like they're being a bit tacky about something they'll do anything they can to get viewers but actually a lot of those factual programs that one you mentioned that one was 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 an incredible thing and a lot of the other shows which seem very tacky actually are really good and quite well done you mean like britain's best council house yeah all of i hate those shows i really i mean you know i've got to be my bonnet here we go i've got to be my bonnet about no, this but I don't like mean that one, the yeah. pornification oh, of yeah. working class culture oh, in this country and channel five of a whole whole like ream of shows that's about council houses people not getting a job people trying to steal money from you know benefits and there's a whole little like porn corner that i call it poverty porn corner of um let's throw things at the poor people and um demonize them and make them into sport this i mean that kind of programming though is just fundamentally socially problematic because it compounds social issues and divides people well and we're not here for your i'll say we but we we are not here for your sport it is not here for and people people in poverty um being used for entertainment is one of the most offensive things about a lot of modern kind of discourse in broadcasting I think I think I think there's an element of it in radio but TV there is a whole thing and I think you're right I think chan- you can feel channel 5 starting to mm. reverse out of that mm. a little bit because ultimately I think there is a bit of a shift, even though we're seeing some quite kind of horrifying things politically and socially. I think they're sensing that actually how long can they keep going on with with those shows? And if they are having to reposition themselves from losing massive kind of um, properties like Big Brother, they have to move into a different space, presumably. They have still got a show on this week called Young, Dumb and Banged Up in the Sun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm watching that instead. Uh, But just going back to Blood very, very briefly, I do... Do very much recommend people watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah we may have got slightly <laughs> we may have got slightly If you get distracted yeah. by Young Dumb banged up in the sun, that's <laughs> then, fine. Then but, blood is yeah. still available. Yeah. Uh, no, really, really good. I always enjoy Adrian Dunbar. I think he's oh, great in line of phenomenal. duty. But I do think in this case, uh, Carolina Main is the yeah, MVP she is here. she the star. Because she does that beautiful... Uh, just the way she plays that character who is, you know, slightly at odds with her family but it's the kind of gaslighting that goes on specifically yeah. from her father and that sense of like frustration and outrage that she keeps kind of tightly bottled in that no one will listen to I her. think the really clever thing and um, Terry alluded to this she's like a Hitchcockian heroine she's like something like in Rebecca or something mm. where normally it's she's paranoid she may be mad yeah, yeah. you know she's not you yeah. know she yeah. is the sane one 
And I think that's a really clever little spin yeah, on it. It's nice. Because it makes the gaslighting even more infuriating. Oh, it's maddening. Yeah. It makes you very cross. Yeah. Uh, so that is Blood, which we very much recommend. And this airs on Channel 5 when? Starting um, today, Monday, 9 o'clock, and running all week at 9 o'clock. Well, watch it. Every night this week. That's your week sorted. Uh, lastly, we have My Brilliant Friend, an Italian language drama from HBO about to land on Sky Atlantic. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that only Boyd has watched this one. No, this is no. me. This is... I knew Terry... I knew I, Terry was excited I, about this. I, I apologise. I'm very excited about it. See the prejudice that I'm up against yeah. as a working Disgrace. class girl from a council oh, estate. Oh, she won't fucking watch something in Italian. <laughs> Unbelievable. Subtitles, Un- Terry. Are you having a laugh? Unbelievable. <laughs> from my own people. Um, so, and, and actually, to be fair, there is something about this which makes it maybe more enticing for me. So, it's Elena it's, Ferranti, which, are you familiar with Elena Ferranti, James? Is she in Law and Order SVU? <laughs> Does she write novels set in a, in a world of goblins and things? So oh, bless she, you. I love the way you try to make yeah. that sound convincing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so... So, Elena Ferrante is a Italian novelist. And the interesting thing about her is she wrote this series of books called The Neapolitan Novels. And she actually writes under a pseudonym. Elena Ferrante is not her real name. Nobody really knows who she is. She insists that anonymity is really important for art to be considered properly at all. People have had wild guesses about who she is. There's a theory out there about who she is. But nobody knows for sure. So there's always been this mystique about Elena Ferrante. She did do these four novels. She also did this amazing slim novel called The Days of Abandonment, which is one of my favourite books of all time. Um, I, I am enjoying, by the way, the entire shock on your face as I continue to talk. <laughs> so the news that her book, which is My Brilliant Friend, which is the first of the four books in the Neapolitan um, novel series, was being made into a um, HBO. It's an, Ital- um, an international co-production. And it's actually the entire four books are being made into series. So it's eight episodes per book. So I think it's 32 episodes in total. Now, she is heavily involved. She is also the columnist for The Guardian Weekend. And anybody who reads her stuff knows she has a very singular way with language, which apparently has been... Sorry, it's called Italian. It's, it's, got... it's, not, it's not funny. It's a far... it, I mean, it's another country. You would, If you'd read her, you would understand what I'm talking about. But she... Basically, she doesn't. Um, she's not on the filmmaking side of this. It, it's directed by. I'm not, okay, I'm going to try this. Saverio Costanza. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, I'm full Super Mario. Who um, who directed um, Hungry Hearts, which is the Adam Driver film from a couple of years ago? Mm. She is credited as a writer. Apparently, was was really heavily involved in the structure and the detail of the structure. Um, but she wrote it with him, um, and. She she has always been very kind of tricky about anybody adapting her work. Maggie Gyllenhaal was attached to her for a while for something. Her books are brilliant and she has a really um, huge fan base, actually, kind of internationally. So the buzz around this has been insane for months and it's amazing. So it is absolutely the best thing on uh, this week. I can tell you that 100%. A bit of Beb and Bear would disagree. <laughs> um, oh my God. Hans Gruber again, yeah? Um, so, so it starts, it's you, It's a woman in her 60s and um, called Elena and she re- receives a phone call to say that her friend Lena has disappeared and this prompts her to cast her mind back to her childhood and write the story of their friendship. Beginning post-World War II, 
um, it's in Naples. They meet at junior school, essentially. I'm sure they don't call it junior school in Naples. Um, and it's about the story. Over the four books, it's the story of their lives. It's about they're born surrounded by poverty and violence. They both really long for so much more from life. Um, it follows them their entire life, essentially, over these four books. It is a astonishingly beautiful I mean there are some single shots in the first episode which are just remarkable the there's a a where you don't have this kind of epic sweeping narrative you have this insanely intimate and um beautifully it's just so beautifully drawn the way they've managed to bring the books to life is incredible it is in not just not just subtitled in italian in neapolitan so apparently i read that even kind of your average italian person can't understand it because the dialect is so heavy so it's completely subtitled for anyone who watches it so apparently if you're watching it in rome you do not understand the local dialect of of neapolitan Okay. Um, so I absolutely loved it. The um, the women, the central characters are essentially it's when they're young, when they're old, played by four actors, all of whom are complete amateurs. Um, it's just so beautifully, beautifully done. Does beautifully anyone get banged up in the sun? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It is. It is remarkable. It's on Sky Atlantic and Now TV um, on Monday. Um, at nine o'clock and carries on on Tuesday they're showing two okay. episodes yes. a week um, Boyd I agree are you with it me? is uh, I haven't read the books I uh, knew about them and I knew about her and everything but um, it is really intriguingly done as well mm. it kind of has its own tone doesn't it yes. and kind of visual atmosphere um, and and it has an incredibly clever opening framing device so it's, it's with with this dramatic phone call that this woman gets about the, the friend who's gone missing you're in, immediately you know has an so it has an incredibly compelling opening which i think is you know so you're i was hooked immediately and then the young cast are unbelievably yeah. great like these child actors they're the soulfulness in their eyes because with so little speech right yeah the, the, very, the reactions yeah, the reactions are um, incredible yeah it's so brilliantly done how how they got them to do this stuff and th there's extraordinary violence in it. there's a lot mm. of, it's a lot of it is about isn't it kind mm. of working class yeah. brutality Back in the day, back in the fifties yeah. in Naples, just people being unbelievably horrible to each other, throwing keeps throwing rocks at each other. Yeah. You know, it's quite hardcore, brutal stuff, but with this beauty of these kids just dealing with life and the just in this hyper intense situation, mm. I thought it was brilliantly done. The dreams, there's a little dream sequence thing goes on with these little insects crawling oh, that, out. And that's, that's the bit I was so talking about. so beautifully it's, done. It's really it So it is, honestly, looking at me like I'm, you're looking, the impression on James's face is despite both of us saying this is one of the best things on, he's not going to even come near to watch well, it yet. It's 100% true. And, and here's the interesting thing for me, it sits, it sits for me when, in years to come, it will be regarded in the same way as the Sopranos, as Deadwood, in terms of the, well, the most remarkable shows that HBO have ever produced. And but what's amazing, there is a revolution in that this is a female focused, female fronted drama. And it's not about domesticity and they're not the objects of men who are the people leading the violence. And, and it is ultra violent, but it, ha it has this kind of almost sensuality and intensity and intimacy to it, which just casts it in a completely different light. And I, I just think when you think about um, how it sits alongside some of the most remarkable 
moments of cinematic television as as we now come to know it. I think it's it's doing something really familiar and yet completely revolutionary, which is a really intoxicating combination. I, I just prefer my foreign language dramas to be shown in the original Klingon. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's all I'm saying. Um, so, so what are your picks of the week then? <laughs> is it this, this, you know, Italian thing? Va bene, va bene. Is, that, is it that? Yes. That's it, that's yeah. your pick. It is the best thing. You're both picking yeah. that? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, I'm yeah. going to say anything except House of Cards, but I, I'm going to say The Last Kingdom because, you know, Danes. Oh, fair enough. Good for you. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah. also because I'm just never going to watch that. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You're missing out. Yeah. Your soul is missing you... out. Not for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my soul is fine. <laughs> well... Okay. Is it? About that. Yeah. Um, is it? Fine, fine. If listeners want to, do you think James's soul's okay? <laughs> can yeah. tweet us. Yeah, tweet us Pilot at TV. Pilot TV Mag. Well, uh, and on that note, that is it for another episode. Like Thanos, however, we will return, hopefully with a you know fewer fatalities uh, next Monday for more of the same. Uh, in the meantime, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pilot TV Mag, uh, and the three of us are on there as well. So do feel free to track us down on Twitter or the Gram. Uh, but really, don't don't friend us on Facebook. That's just that's just weird. Um, hop over to iTunes as well and bestow upon us five of your finest stars by way of rating, and we will see you next week. Now, my Vikings, onward to Essex and victory! Uh, Till next time. Bye. Bye.